You're listening to The Connected Calm Life. My name is Lane Kennedy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of my life. really means a lot to me for you to hang out and listen to the show every week. If you haven't shared the show, I want to ask you to just do that now. Invite three girlfriends to listen. I had a little dip in my listenership because I have a problem with promoting. (laughs) Seriously, I'm not great at promoting on social media. And that's really the way the show grows. Uh, A lot of people tell me that I am supposed to get these big guest speakers and that's how I'm going to grow my show. And uh, I just really don't have it in me to play that game. It just it feels inauthentic to me uh, to, to, to use people like that. I don't know. So it's just me here. And if you could share the show with your girlfriends or share it on social media, that would help so much. And I would appreciate you. Okay. Today's episode, we're going to continue this theme for this month. It's all about fun and play. And if you haven't checked out the other podcast that I do with Tamar Medford, you're sober. Now what we're still in this kind of flow around what is fun? How do we have fun in our lives? Especially after, you know, two years of living in freaking nightmare of COVID. Um, But also in our recovery and in our emotional wellness, we have dips, we have lows, we have like emotional upheavals, we have death, we have uh, new babies that put us into crisis. So how do we have fun? And that's what this month is about. Today, I have Dave on the show. Oh my God. Stand up comic. He was on Time Takes Time uh, earlier in the month, and he's just a really cool dude. Just easy going, you know, just shakes it out like it is. No, no filter. Maybe that's, that's what I love about people when they don't have that filter because I don't really have a filter either. So enjoy the show, share it with some girlfriends. Let's go. All right. All right. So that was a lot. I'm glad we got all that out of the way. Yeah. A lot of the behind the scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes. All right, we're live. Today, I have a special guest. Guest, friend, fellow, long-term person in recovery, Dave Yates. Hey, everybody. I'm Dave Yates. Nice to meet you in the audio space or visual the, if you're watching. Yeah, right? It's hard to do both. It's hard to do all the things these days, Dave. But you got to do all the things. Otherwise, you're not do, you're not doing enough. That's 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 the that's the message. I, I don't want to live like this, though. Honestly, I'm like I know we people. Picked, we picked the wrong we picked the wrong <laughs> careers. I know. Right? I mean, I'm a I'm a touring stand up comic and writer and things like that. And it's like, are you making content? Are you? I'm like, I don't just want to get on stage and tell these jokes. You know? Right. Are you posting TikToks? Oh. All those jokes. Yeah. Are you on the TikTok too? I do it all. Oh my God. I, I do it Too all. Much. It's part of the job. I wake uh, social media uh, is, is part of the job. So it's it like is part of the I, job. If I like working for myself and being my own boss, you know, mm-hmm. I get up at, you know, 8 30 a.m., 9 9 a.m., which is not super early and it's not super late, but for mm-hmm. comics, I guess, like I know a lot of friends that <laughs> sleep till noon, but I mean, I get up, I drink my little coffee and, uh, Recently, I've been doing yoga in my room, and then I get to the wow. day, which is emails and 
editing video. Uh, you know, it's like you can't just be good at the thing that you're good at anymore. Like you got to do it plus like Mitch Hedberg, late Mitch Hedberg had a joke about, he's like, you know, being the stand-up comedian, people want to ask you if you do anything related to comedy, but it's not comedy. It's like, oh, you're a comic. Do you act? It's like, if I worked really hard to be a good chef and I got to the best of my abilities as a chef and people are like, oh, you're a chef. Do you farm? Like it's, re- <laughs> it's like, it's, it's related, but it's not. It's so different. It's yeah. not even. So, oh my but God. I do it all. I do it all. You at, do it all. At Yates Comedy on all the socials. That's what we have to do. All of it. So Dave was recently a guest on Time Takes Time. So if, if you haven't listened to that episode, I want to invite you to go back and listen to it. Uh, it was a really great episode about having fun and having more play in your life. And you know, I wanted to, like I always do, I like to have several conversations with people around long-term recovery. Uh, 10 years, you're over 10. Uh, just a smidge over 10. April 23rd of 2022 was 10 years for me. So uh, how does it I'm feel? officially an old timer. Right. Guess. Like how does that, how was that transition for you? Um, it's fine. Like it's a, it's a lot of reflection, you yeah. know, um, like we were talking uh, pre pod, like I, I did it. Like I, I was like, how do I commemorate this in a way that like, like shows kind of like the trajectory of what a decade looks like. Yeah. So I, I made a, a vlog series on my YouTube and you can see it on Instagram or wherever you find little clips, but uh, it's called 10 days till a decade. So I decided to do a video a day and they're like anywhere between four and seven minute videos. Mm-hmm. And the first five are like what it was like uh, before I got sober. Uh, mm-hmm. And then like some crazy drunk log stories and fall, about falling off of roofs and, uh, you know, DUIs and things. And then the last five were what life was like in recovery and kind of the culmination was that last video. And I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't get through that last video without crying, you know, cause a lot, I mean, 10 years is a long time. Yeah. You know? 10 it's, years is a long time without a cocktail. I mean, any, any amount of time is a long time if you drink like I drink, but like, I don't know, 10 years hit different than nine or eight, mm-hmm. you know, it like does. Not, you know, you get, you, you get your little chip with the X on it and you're like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so I mean, I feel all right, but I just also like, uh, you know, it, it's all relative to what I'm currently working on, you know, so it's like the mm-hmm. drink and the drug is not my problem today. Nope. And it hasn't been my problem for a very long time. So nope. it's like, how do I live inside uh this bee's nest of a brain. Yeah. You what's know? your problem now? What's the problem? What's up for you? What's up, Dave? Uh, I, I mean, uh, the list could go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but currently, you know, uh, working on grief stuff, lost my father three years ago, working mm-hmm. on uh, a little attachment stuff, like uh, attachment mm-hmm. styles. Yeah. Uh, you know, code, little codependency, a little, mm-hmm. little bit of people pleasing, uh, just uh, a lot of stuff that just... Uh, you know, I got my, my, my claws dug into, you know, mm-hmm. like, w- like work relationships and money. Like that's just, just what it is. Like I'm a workaholic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and money makes the world go around. And then, it is, you know, it's nice to be in a relationship or have someone love yeah. and care about you. So, you know, when, when those three things don't work out, it like, it, uh, it really fucks me up, mm-hmm. you know, um, in learning to, get down to the the root cause of that stuff like you know like grief in general is something that americans are terrible with 
um, just because it's like we we hide old folks in old folks' homes until they die. Like there's no so messed up community, like you know, like in other yeah. cultures or in, in in other countries that are not, I guess, as advanced technologically. They're, I mean, they had these things built in place, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, my father died at 59 of pancreatic cancer in 2019, and then like I just, I didn't know how to process it wasn't going to therapy and but i got an opportunity with work where i started touring the country really heavily mm-hmm. so i was doing four weekends a month and by the time i got home i was just so exhausted that i didn't have time to think about it and then when the pandemic happened i had nowhere to run yeah. so it's like you know having to grieve someone who died you know some people will say oh oh so and so she was an actress she was 92 too she gone too soon 92 is a pretty good run mm-hmm. 59 is pretty young that's and young. i'm not and i'm not saying that like other people haven't lost family to yeah. you know uh, grief is grief there's this is not this is not the pain olympics um mm-hmm. but it's it, it it happened in six months it was very quick from diagnosis to death mm-hmm. and it's just like i think that the typical models that we have for grieving are, are not sufficient like the whole five stages of grief i think is mm-hmm. a dog shit model um, it's because everybody grieves differently. Yep. Um, and that is, that is the only thing I know about it. And the way I was doing it wasn't working mm-hmm. and it made me miserable and, and, and not a great partner. And, and, uh, so, you know, I had to go when the world, like it was the way I say it is like this. I'm a very, I'm a big imagery guy. Uh, when my father passed, it was like, I was driving a station wagon with all my baggage and, uh, like a, a hundred miles an hour on the freeway. And then the pandemic happened and it's like I slammed into a brick wall and all my shit got scattered all over the place. And I'm just like crying, <laughs> trying to pick up. All it's the everywhere. Stuff. <gasps> yeah. So, you know, I, I, I got a grief therapist, which was good and helpful and, mm-hmm. you know, working through some of that stuff because it's like when that person's gone, like even if you've done the work and made the, you know, amends, if you're in a recovery program, it's like there's still deeper shit. Yeah. Like there's still deeper shit that you don't go through in the first couple inventories because it's like in the first couple inventories, you're just like, oh, yeah, I stole from this person. I I fought like I fought this person. I crashed this person. But then once you wipe all that out, there's other stuff. There's other stuff like. But isn't that the human condition? That's like life, right? Like living life. Right. Even if you're not in a 12 step program and yeah. not a part of recovery and you're just on an emotional wellness exactly. journey, you're going to, you're going to hit grief yeah. or the various stages of life. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, birth that's shakes people's shit up, uh, buying a house, buying a house, changing a career, right? Yeah. Like these are all guarantees that, uh, wait for all of us. Um, death waits for every one of us, uh, you know, <laughs> and that's, Knowing that is, is that's why people avoid it. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary. Uh, and so when it happens to you and uh, you feel it unjustly, it, it really creates inner turmoil. Like there was not enough time. You weren't ready. To say all the shit. Right. You know? Right. So like currently, like I'm writing through the shit. Like okay. I'm writing through what I would say to him about the shit that I never got to bring up. Yeah. You know, and then that, you know, has that been super helpful? Cathartic. It's better than not doing any of the work. Yeah. You know, I uh, still knee deep in it. Uh, You know, even after, 
three years. And like I said, the first year, I didn't really even address it at all. It's not mm-hmm. like I was in denial, mm-hmm. right? Like I watched him die. Like it's yep. cancer sucks, right? But you uh, were there. You were sober, dude. Right. But like fucking the flip side of that is people will say, people will say that, but then people are like, oh yeah, I, I drank through my parents passing and I regret that. It's like, mm. yeah, it would have been nice to not feel that, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It, you know, like 10 years sober, just, it just means I've been raw dogging life for a decade Completely. and feeling all the feelings. Like, yeah. so it's like, I'm grateful. I wouldn't trade it, but mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get it twisted. Like the people that say, well, I wouldn't trade my worst day sober for my yeah. best day drunk. No, piss off. Like I had some real fun times. Like I drank on a roof deck in Chicago for an entire summer watching sailboats. I had nice. no job. I had just enough money to afford alcohol. Uh-huh. I partied my ass off. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Would I trade my worst day sober for that day? Fuck yeah. Without consequences, I'd go back to that day. I had no responsibility. Good day. Literally, I'd buy a break. Right? The days of no responsibility. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, look, like I am grateful for my sobriety, but like, yeah. it, like shit isn't just fucking pissing rainbows, mm-hmm. you know? And sorry, I'm a sailor. Uh, I just, when I get passionate about this subject of recovery, like the actual, actual sobriety or actual pain and actual grief, it's like, mm-hmm. these are real things that people don't talk about. Like, uh, like regardless if you drink or don't, don't like, I just managing feelings is not easy. And then managing feelings without an aid, like be nice to drink a cocktail and reminisce and not then be, you know, but it's just, I don't, I lost that privilege a long time ago and Mm -hmm. it's something I've accepted. Mm -hmm. But if you don't like, I I never subscribed to like a lot of well-meaning people said a lot of well-meaning shit when my father passed. Oh, well, time heals all wounds and it's going to hurt forever. Just not as fuck that. Like I subscribe to the idea that you can recover from grief. Mm -hmm. You can recover from it, but it takes a lot of work. It takes looking at the person who you've lost and it doesn't even have to be death. It could just be a relationship or a marriage that didn't work out. And, yeah. and to grieve the complete person and not just the good parts. Because yep. I feel like that's where a lot of racing thoughts come through. It's like we grieve the good parts of, of, of the person that we've lost mm-hmm. or relationship that's gone. And we don't, we don't properly grieve all the times where they were not cool to you because mm-hmm. that's the human nature. So it's like I'm, I'm having to go through early childhood memories about my father and just putting them to rest and know, so know that like two things can be true. My parents did the best that they could and their actions severely fucked me up, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and accepting them for exactly who, who they were in, the, in, in those moments. That's the work. Is like, your mom still alive? She is. She yeah. is Are you close alive. with her? Uh, we are. Uh, we're close. Uh, yeah. we, we, we talk every few days, you know, nice. um, so but she lives in Illinois. I live in California. Yeah. So, you know, um, and she, she's cool, you know, but. I'm also going through a lot of, of, of those things, you know, it's like, so, you know, you take the drugs and the alcohol away and then you realize that, you know, some, sometimes the fix, manage and control is just as deadly, mm-hmm. but, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, therapy, grief, uh, you know, learning how to be, uh, okay with me, you know, this is coming from someone who gets on stage for a living and talks to people. I get paid for telling jokes. It's an, it's an insane career. But it's like sometimes I don't like me very much, mm-hmm. you know. And does working, that come out in your 
comedy? Does that come out in your acts? Uh, I'm not. Are you I'm self-deprecating? Not, Are you a deprecating comic? Not really. Like I used to be a fat kid growing up. I used to get picked on a lot. So I don't really pick on myself on stage. Okay. You know, like I can laugh at myself for sure. Like yeah. if I see an opportunity to acknowledge mm-hmm. uh, something about me, I will take it. You'll but take it. I don't, I can't, this is going to sound completely egotistical, but like, I'm like, I'm six, four, I'm a good looking dude. Like, what am I supposed to tear down? Like, I'm not fat. I'm not, you know, like I look like I sell drugs because I wear a lot of tie dyes, you know, like that's, so it's like, I don't know. Like, I'd rather just write the jokes about the human experience and what I see in the world around me. And I really don't hold myself to any particular, like if I think of an idea and I think it's funny, I try it. I don't care how dumb it is. Is that, is that a hard journey being a comic? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like I've known, of, I've known quite a few comics over the years and they, there is a, uh, a quality <laughs> about the comics it's called mental illness, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm always fascinated how they just keep doing it. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you, because it's the best feeling it? in the world. Okay. That's what it boils down to. It's uh, it's the only other thing besides alcohol where I could go out tonight and have a, a fucking terrible set and bomb uh-huh. and just be driving home like, what am I doing? I can't do this to myself anymore. And then the next day, someone will call me up and be like, hey, do you want to do this show? And I'm like, yep. And you're right quick. back on. You're right back. And that's that's the same with drinking. It's like you could have a horrible night of drinking and then the next day someone's like, hey, I got a free handle of whiskey. You're like, I guess we're doing this again. Oh my God. You know, so I guess people are like, oh, you traded one addiction for the other. Yeah, I guess so. So before you were doing comedy before you got sober though. About a year. About yeah. a year. I started comedy as a means to quit drinking, which is, sounds counterintuitive, but it was like... I knew I couldn't drink anymore, but I wasn't mm-hmm. getting sober. I just was like, I, I can just not drink and do all did the you, other. Did somebody put you up to that? Like th- they uh-uh. were like, okay, you're put, funny. Go be a comic. I mean, I've already, I, I, I always knew I was funny and like, I okay. knew how to get into and out of social situations. I know how to diffuse bullies with humor. Yeah, all it. that stuff was already there. Um, just like, I, and I loved comedy and it was mm-hmm. just, I was one of those people that said, I can do that. I bet you I can do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went and tried it and, you know, I wrote like five or six things on a napkin and it was probably terrible, but I got some laughs and uh-huh. I was like, see, I can do this. And then I just, that first That's the year, arrogance, right? The arrogance of the alcoholic, which is so yeah. like bittersweet. Well, I had nothing so else though. Like, that's the thing. I did the college thing. I had no job yeah. prospects. I could always get a job and get fired from a job. I had no career. They tricked me into getting this expensive ass degree uh-huh. with no line about how to get a job and the job market was tanking. So it's like, that's why you have all these people. What's your degree these, in? What's your degree in? English fiction. So oh, I write. God. So I technically make money with my degree. I'm a writer. Okay, you do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's like th- that tracked, like it wasn't there. So it's like, I mean, I wish people would have pushed trade schools as hard as they push college to some of us. Because yeah. my dad was a mechanic and made great money. And yeah, it was a hard life and he swum in chemicals. And that's probably why he got pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. But like he made really great money. I know I know cats that are like... Was he happy? Happy. He was a happy guy. Like, yeah. he, I mean, he was a very happy guy. Like, uh, he was a Mechanics very... usually like their jobs. I don't know why that is. I, he could fix anything. I, yeah. Well, because it's like, it's it turns your brain off. Like yeah. from all the outside world. Like I, yeah. I work on my own car. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it's like how I commune with the old man, wherever he is. Uh, 
And I do all my own oil changes. I repl- Anything oh, that I don't uh-huh. have to put a car up on a lift for, I fix it. And I do it. And if like, I don't know how to do it, I watch a video on YouTube and I'll go slow and I'll do it. Like, I know how to change my own brakes. And someone's like, can you change brakes for me? I'm like, no, because me changing brakes for me is if I if I no. screw up and end up in a ditch, that's one thing. But if right. I screw up your brakes, no, like take it to the mechanic. Stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, during the pandemic, I was changing people's oil in West LA in my driveway. I said, hey, people's tight on money. So if you buy mm-hmm. the oil and the filter, I'll tell you exactly what to get. Bring it to my house and it'll take about an hour and you can sit on a chair six feet away from me and we can, mm-hmm. we can talk shit and I'll change your oil and send you on your way. Because that's what my dad would do. He would just do things for people like cost of parts. That's what it was. Like he would, he would fix people's stuff for cases of beer. Like... Mm-hmm. It's like helping without really expecting anything in return. And that's that's the kind of person he was. He loved life. He was he, he knew everybody everywhere. Like my networking skills came from him. You know, we couldn't go to a town in this country where he didn't know anybody. And he was wow. a mechanic. Wow. He worked in the rail yards of Chicago and he just knew everybody. And he always knew someone that knew someone that knew something, mm-hmm. you know. So if he didn't know, he knew someone that did. So as you've uh, matured in your recovery... And it's debatable. (laughs) Well, we do it no matter what it's going to happen. Unless you're, unless you're dying under a rock, you're going to evolve in your recovery. And I'm just imagining you and your dad, because you found recovery and he was alive and well, and your relationship, how did that grow? I mean, he loved what I did, you know, he, did. He, he loved that I was a comic. I'm very fortunate, but both my parents have never told me to go get a different job. Mm. I know a lot of comedians whose parents are like, why aren't you a doctor? Mm-hmm. And they have to deal with that at Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And yeah. my old man wasn't like that. He told everybody Dave's in such and such a city this week, mm-hmm. you know, and Dave's, you know, I mean, the December before he died, he drug his canceled riddle ass out to the, uh, the comedy club in Aurora, Illinois. I was headlining and I knew kind of in my head that I was performing for him for the last time. So I just did it. Okay. So like we were cool. It's just like, but that's the thing. Like we didn't have a chance to like do shit together. Yeah. You know, because I was, uh, my career took me to Los Angeles and he was mm-hmm. riding out his own career trying to make it to retirement. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why I tell people the most valuable lesson that death taught, that has taught me and continues to teach me is you can always make more money. You can't make more time. There is not enough time either. There's just not, you know, we I need mean, more time. The most valuable thing you can give to anybody is your time. Yeah, it's so true. And so that is kind of like, that's why I do what I do. I'm like, I'm not a very wealthy man, but I pay all my bills with the thing Mm. I love to do. And I know people who are way more well off than me live in the town we grew up in and they're miserable. All Mm -hmm. I do is post on Instagram the the lines in their lawn. Gross. (laughs) Or like, oh, Susie's got ballet medals or whatever. It's like, okay, that's, I'm glad you can find happiness in your children. But Uh your life does, it looks boring to me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I'm probably it's not and I'm not trying to talk shit about the safe play life. But I took a chance to not live a safe life. This mm-hmm. is not a safe career. There is no retirement. Plan yeah, there's no guarantee on that one. There isn't I, yeah. in any other industry. There is a timeline like, yep. okay, you want to be a surgeon? And I'm not comparing what I do to being a doctor, but you want to be a surgeon, you go to school for eight to 10 years, maybe oh. 12. And then when you're done with that, you got a mound of debt, but you're, you, you're, you are a doctor. If you pass all the tests and memorize all the things, 
Yeah. I was t- my friend is a doctor, and we mm-hmm. talk about that all the time. It's like I signed up for a career that it might never happen for me, ever. Ugh. And I still, I still scratch that lottery ticket every month living out in Los Angeles. You know, every, every month. I tell everybody out here, if you're chasing dreams and entertainment, your lottery ticket costs whatever your living expenses are per month. So you're, there's people, you got $2,000 a month lottery ticket, minimum. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's scary, but it's just like I love doing it, and I'm good I know, at doing it. But there's something, there's something about Los Angeles because I, I, I remember when I landed there. There is a you want to chase it, you do want to do it. You, you are driven there by some innate desire, like you have a desire to be there. Mm-hmm. Like not everybody goes to LA, right? Like it's not. Well, for people everybody. come here and they leave real quick too. But yeah, it's not easy. Because it's, no, it's not easy. The LA will eat you up. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's the one year LA beatdown. Your first year out here, LA will beat the shit out of you. Like a month and a half in, I was doing a gig in Orange County Mm -hmm. and I went to go change lanes and this lady clipped me on the 405 Mm -hmm. causing a four car pileup. So I had to go fly back to Illinois and sink Mm -hmm. like a quarter of my pay, half of my, or half of my savings, excuse me into mm. buying another car. No. And then it was like time to postmates and work at a sober living. Yeah. Oh god. No. Mhm. Pink Dot is P- Pink Dot still happening there? Oh, uh, the deli- grocery delivery place on Sunset? Yeah. Uh, yep. I buy snacks from there when I'm over at the comedy store. Yeah. I love my Pink Dot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're dealing with grief, you have the spiritual emotional awakening around uh, this is where I'm at in my life. I have to process my father's death. You're going through it, which is a courageous act. I'm just going to say that right now because a lot of people won't even do that. Uh, what are you doing? We're going to move this into the play theme. What are you doing for fun in your life right now? Uh, the most recent thing I've introduced is I wake up in the morning and I do yoga very terrible. No, when you said room. that earlier, I was like, you do yoga? What kind I of I do. I Jeff, I don't it's not crazy. I literally have a mat in front of my bed, so I have to step over it every morning. Uh-huh. I turned 36 on May 27th. So May 1st, I'm like, you better do this now because when you turn 36, it's not gonna get any easier yeah. to develop a practice. So I, I I I have a little TV in my room and I throw on YouTube. And oh, I watch okay. beginning yoga videos and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very particular. I like just a regular cut and dry. This is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like I can't have any yoga teachers. They're like, we're going to do some yummy poses today. Oh no. Like, oh, I don't want to do any yummy poses. I'm like half asleep and I need <laughs> coffee. Like I want, want my back not to hurt. Uh-huh. Right. Stacy fucking teach me that yummy pose. The uh-huh. stretch that makes my back not hurt after not doing anything. So yeah, so I've been doing it every day since the beginning of May. So we're, I don't know, 17 days into this habit. And I do anywhere from five to seven minutes to 15 to 20 minutes. So um, and I'm just teaching myself how to do it. I'm watching the videos and I'm just doing it. Uh, my buddy was very nice. He gave me his Peloton login. So I got Peloton yoga videos up on my TV. And Nice. Like I did 15 minutes this morning. So that's been fun just trying to feel better about my body and, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like, like January, February, I was in a deep depression, like mm-hmm. just very deep. Everything just caught up with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you know, it's, 
I don't know if you remember, uh, maybe like or anybody listening remembers that movie. What about Bob with Bill Murray? I know that movie. Okay, so it's basically it's the one where yes. where he he and his therapist Richard Dreyfus are like working together, and he has to take baby steps because he's afraid of going places and outside. So he's just shuffling his feet. Uh-huh. There's a scene in the movie where he's got like a life vest on. And he's taking baby steps and like. <laughs> To get out of that depression, like I've had to take baby steps and be yeah. very, very gentle with what I'm doing with myself because I mm-hmm. can have an abusive inner monologue. Yeah. So, you know, um, like I could barely at that time walk to the post office and back. And now I'll go on two, three mile hikes. I rode my bike for six miles today and I did 15 minutes of yoga. But it took five months. It mm-hmm. took five months to get here. But know? I think what's really cool and, and I love that you're sharing this is that you gave yourself the time or the space, you acknowledged it and you just did it. Where a lot of people, they're not, they're not even there. They're, they just, they're, they're not there. I have the luxury of giving yeah. myself the space because of the career yeah. I chose. Yeah, okay? Th- this is true. I don't, I don't, I don't intend that anybody with two or three kids that ha- works yeah. a full time job is going to be able to like wake up thirty minutes early and and I mean they can, they can, but it's just like it, you know, I. It's a gift. Yeah. I, it's but it's the sacrifice too. Like my life's not going to look like everybody else's. Yeah, thirty six. I'm single. It's me and my yeah. cat. Bad <laughs> yeah. life, you know. Because it's like not everybody wants someone who's going to be gone all the time on the road. Yeah. yeah, you know. And it's like it's so I accepted that. Like I like I'm not going to have that life probably. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You know. I'm holding out for it. But it's just it's not an attractive like. Everybody's like people say like they want a partner who makes them laugh, but do mm-hmm. they want a partner who literally makes a living? Making people um, laugh. That's yeah, it's, the, the, it's the subtlety. Exactly. And it's completely yeah. okay. Because yeah. comedy is my number one. And no one has ever been able to trump that. A, Can we even say that anymore? No one's been able to top that. Like I, I feel like that, that yeah. card game is not... We can't even play Euchre anymore these days. Uh, <laughs> um, but that's what it is. And like the other things I do for fun, it's just like I, I have the... Like once I decide my bullheadedness has its, its attributes, like when I decide to do something, I do it. And it's like, I have to just be careful because I'm, I'm also an extremist. So like, I didn't want to go to the gym in town after not working out for XYZ amount of years and just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do an hour's worth of, no. So I've just been gently trying to introduce better physical habits in my life. Um, I, what I else, what other things I do for fun and joy, I love a thrift store. I love a, I love an antique store, you know, so I'll go north of LA to like Bakersfield. Mm-hmm where uh, it's not all picked over by hipsters that run anti- like re- resale vintage stores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, saw like a, I saw like a bull shirt. I'm a Chicago one. I saw like a championship bull shirt for like $100 in someone's store. I'm like, good on you for making that money. But I had that shirt wow. when it was probably like $10. Yeah, no. So, like, I, have so a I like the collection. antiques, That's, the collections. Yeah. Um, I like all of this. These are really good ideas, Dave. And... Do you watch comedy yourself? No, Do you love it? No. Ugh. I can never watch. I watch murder. I watch documentaries and true crime podcasts. Unless I really like a comic or it's someone. Who's your favorite I'm, comic? Alive or Dead. Oh, both. Give me both now. Now that you said that. Um, dead Mitch Hedberg. Uh, I brought him up earlier a little bit. Yeah. Phenomenal joke writer. Uh, died of a heroin overdose. Uh, so. Don't think you're going to go see him on tour if you go listen to him. Uh, but alive, uh, he's very much alive, and um, you've never heard of him. His name is Stuart Huff, 
S-T-E-W-A-R-T Huff, H-U-F-F. And the reason I spelled it out, because I want y'all, whoever listens to this, to go check out all of his albums, because he is a brilliant genius of a comedian, and he's super kind and funny and nice, and he'll never be famous because he does these gigantic ideas, like much like the later George Carlin. Mm, Um, You know, like, I mean, George Carlin had to do the hippy-dippy weatherman before he could do his hot 15 on abortion. You know, and it's just like, but but Stewart does these big, like, he, he does this whole, like, he's got an album called God Hates Anne, and it's a, a whole timeline about how people have been put to death for the things they've believed in yeah. over the years, you know, and, 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 and one of them is like, he, he's got like a, a little southern twang because he's from Kentucky, he's like, there was a man who suggested that surgeons wash their hands before performing <laughs> surgery because it would prevent the spread of diseases. Well, he shouldn't have done that because they didn't agree with him and they ostracized him from the medical community. And he was thrown in an insane asylum and the guards beat him within an inch of his life. And he didn't die from the beating. He died about a month later from the infection because the guards didn't wash their hands. So he, he does big uh-huh. things like uh-huh. that. And uh-huh. it's like, it's, it's super, ref- it makes me want to burn my notebooks. It's like, you know, like poop jokes. Yeah, everybody loves a poop joke, but this dude's like, he's doing material that, Next he, level. Believes, that he believes in. So yeah. like, I could say, uh, you know, Bill Burr and, you know, M- you know, Maria Bamford's also another one of my favorites. Maria Bamford's mm-hmm. super duper funny. But I mean, I could tell you a list of people that you've never heard of that I work with that are actual mm-hmm. friends of mine that could use the extra streams, you know, or the extra, you know, ticket purchase at a comedy club. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, there are, there are phenomenally funny people out there. Like, Will you send pa- me them, please? I, I will send you a list. <laughs> send me a list, please, and I'll add it to the show notes. Yeah. Because uh, I'm a huge, com- I love comedy. I will go to whatever. I'll just, just take me there. The guy down the road's doing something. I'm there. I love it. I just, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. It's just, it's awesome. It, Good you know, and bad. I don't well, care. It's, I, I believe in, um, I'm providing an escape that won't kill anybody. Yeah. That's you exactly know. it. Oh, so. so many good things, Dave. Uh, I just keep going back to this idea around emotional wellness is an inside job, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going to hit different emotions at different stages in our recovery. And we have to keep coming back to this idea around enjoying our lives. So that's going to look different for everybody, but for everybody who's listening today, I want you to go out and do something fun. Go out and get a record. Go out, go to an antique store. Uh, do do a yoga video without the warm, yummy poses. <laughs> do something I mean, really. Look, those gals fun. are doing their deal. Okay, that's <laughs> it. Just but I like, can't stand them either. Though. I'm just I like, just, I, I just, I'm a very matter of fact person. <laughs> for someone who tells jokes for a living, I take life pretty seriously. You know, like as far as like, I just like matter of fact shit. Mm-hmm. You ask me if I watch comedy, absolutely not. Because it's like, I make comedy. Like, why yeah. would I want it? Like, I love comedy, but like, you can find me watching Dateline. <laughs> that's, that's, you can find me watching <laughs> Keith Morrison, smooth ass voice, figuring out who done it. You know, because it's a palate cleanser Brilliant. for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I watch, I, I watch comedy in person. Like yeah. I'll go down to the comedy store, the improv, and I'm yes. not even performing, and I get to sit in the back because I'm a comic and nobody bothers me, and I'll watch the best to ever touch a microphone. I would mm-hmm. rather do that. You know, like if I was a sitcom writer, I'm sure I'd watch more sitcoms and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's just mm-hmm. like I, I, I prefer 
to taking comedy live. Like yeah. there's there's three ways to do it. There's live, which is the best. You mm-hmm. should do that. Yeah. There is audio only. That is buying a comics album, throwing a pair of headphones in, and just listening to it from start to back. Put yourself there. Yeah. And then the third is watching a comedy special. I mean, that's you know, it's fine, right? But like, yeah. I don't know, getting a getting a track on an album or spinning an old comedy record. Like, it's just like, there's something about that slice of time and the audio lets you imagine what's going on. Mm-hmm. I love it. Dave. Boom. Thanks for being here. Oh yeah. Thanks for wasn't sharing I supposed, your recovery. Wasn't I supposed to ask you questions? Every, every show is def- It's different. Let's go. I'm going to do a rapid fire. Five okay. Questions. Rapid fire. Go. I'm here. Favorite food. French fries from Zuni Cafe. Okay. Cake or pie? Oh, God. Pie. All right. First concert you ever seen? David Bowie. <sighs> Lucky bastard. <laughs> mine, was, mine was Alice Cooper and Steppenwolf. Oh, so good. Favorite color? Blue. All right. Least favorite smell? Oh, God. Blue cheese. How dare you? I love blue cheese so no, much. It just see, this is a good place to end the podcast because <laughs> Lane has crossed into territory. I love two things more than anything in this world. Okay. One, the stinkiest cheese you can find <sighs> anywhere. I will go to Wisconsin to the Cheese Mart and I say, You give me the yeah. nastiest shit you got back there. Mm. It's my favorite. Really? And then the second favorite, my second favorite thing on this planet is uh, there's the National Mustard Museum on oh. the north end of Madison, Wisconsin. And you walk in and there's uh-huh. the store part where you can try 250 different mustards from all over the world, all different categories. And then in the basement, there's a th- like thousands of jars of mustard from the history of time. That's so, cool. Yeah. I love cheese. I love mustard. mustard. <laughs> That's so good. So if you're in Wisconsin, cheese and mustard, go do that. That's fun. Dave, I've loved hanging out with you today. Thanks so much. Likewise. And if you guys want fun, you can find me in your city. Look me up yes. on social media at Yates Comedy. Boom. If you want to support me directly, I do make and sell my own brand of hot sauce. I'm a condiment man. <gasps> it's called Ha Ha Hot Sauce. I sell it after my comedy shows yes. as merch. So you can go to hahahotsauce.com and find some delicious hot sauce. I've been making it myself. It's my own recipe oh, my for sauce. eight years. It's how I pay the bills. So oh my God. Out. Okay. I'm getting some of that. I need that in my life. I'm I love hot sauce. So I'm all in. Uh, all this information will be in the show notes and in the community. Come hang out with us in the community. Oh, thanks again for being here and thanks listening. For me. I'll see you next time. Great show, right? He's funny. I mean, I don't know. I appreciate comics because I love stand up so much. Uh, thanks again for listening and hanging out. Make sure that you've joined the members area members.connectedcalmlife. The SOS membership is the prime membership that you want to grab over there. You get access to mindfulness classes, meditations, me, yours truly, and everybody else on the crew. So you can find out more over at members.connectedcalmlife. I'll see you again next week. Okay. Take good care.